0: Welcome to the Clifford Chance Careers Podcast. In this series, we, as the UK Reach Network, the firm's network for advancing race equality and celebrating heritage, aim to celebrate and highlight the diversity of experiences and voices at Clifford Chance. In this episode, we will be focusing on the Jewish High Holiday period. By way of introduction, I'm Nicholas Chong, a second seat trainee solicitor here at Clifford Chance and I'm a member of the UK REACH Steering Committee. Today, I'm pleased to be speaking to three members of our Clifford Chance Jewish Society, which is also often referred to as JSOC. With me is Adrian Cohen, a partner from our London Finance Practice, Sam Clinton Davis, an associate from our London Capital Markets Practice, and George Simons, our Community and Outreach Coordinator from our London office. So, starting with Adrian, could you kindly introduce yourself and your current role at Clever Chance and JSOC?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Nicholas. And first of all, uh, just to uh, thank you for inviting us to participate in what I think is uh, a very important program for the firm.
2: Um,
1: I'm I'm a partner at the firm. I'm in the finance practice and I specialize in restructuring and insolvency work. And I've been at the firm for just over 30 years and have been very involved in society and other, other activities as well, related activities. Thanks, Adrian. Sam, could you please introduce yourself
2: to the audience? Yes, sure. Um, I'm Sam Clinton-Davis. As you mentioned, Nick, um, I'm a, an associate in the capital markets team in London. Um, I am a J-Stock quasi-regular. Um, I don't have any official capacity um within jsoc um but would probably describe myself as an attendee if anything.
0: <laughs> and finally, Georgia, could you tell us about yourself and your role at Clifford Chant and JSOC as well?
3: Yes, hello everyone. My name is Georgia Simons. I work in Pro Bono and Community Outreach at the firm. I've been at the firm for about two and a half years now and I'm responsible for running the volunteering program. With regards to JSOC, um uh, similar to Sam, I have been to a few of the Lunch and Learns that we host, and I'm also a regular at many of the social events that we put on.
0: Great. And so, Adrian and Sam, you've been very involved with JSOC. Um, and perhaps you could tell us more about JSOC generally. Yeah, sure.
1: So, uh, the the society um, has been, in one form or another, been around since about 1996 when we started hosting uh, a lunch and learn which is a it's a weekly program which we're we're still doing although the current time it's um, we're doing it remotely Uh, but uh, it's a weekly program where we have external speakers Uh, uh, quite often uh, they are rabbis and we're addressing a spiritual straight religious subject but not always sometimes we have secular speakers as well on sort of a whole wide range of subjects that would be of interest to people. Uh, and very occasionally the society uh, does uh, joint events with other societies as well, and I'd, I'd quite like to see, see more of that. Um, and then in addition to that, we sort of mark uh, the various uh, religious festivals uh, during the course of the year, uh, and uh, no doubt we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. But the, the only other thing I wanted to say was that um our, our events are open. You don't you don't have to, you don't have to in fact there's no need to be Jewish. We're, we're very welcoming of anyone who's who's interested in, 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 in the activities of the society. But also it's not just click of chance. So uh, we have a database of people working in, in Canary Wharf or in the environs of Canary Wharf. And so often we have people coming to our events uh from at other institutions based based in the walk as well.
2: Adrian, can I can I just come in there? I mean, I, I've only been at the firm for a couple of years, and um, you know, was was only a toddler in 1996. Was, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know anything about the genesis of of, of of the Jewish Society. I mean, was there any kind of catalyst for it coming coming about? I mean, what what was there particular impetus at the time?
1: Uh, well, it, it actually came from from outside. I mean, we're, I, I was involved with a partner then of the firm called Howard Ross. Uh, and we and in fact, there's also Michael Francis, who was also then a partner of the firm. Um, and we did various kind of Jewish activities in an ad hoc way. So we would take tables at charity events and we would organize the odd meeting. But then the catalyst to kind of formalise it came from outside. We were approached by uh, someone called Leonie Lewis, who then worked for the community division of the United Synagogue, uh, and they were encouraging setting up lunch and learn programmes uh, in the city. We were then at that point. We weren't in Canary Wharf. We were in Little Britain uh, and uh, in Aldersgate Street, and uh, and so we were one of. Um, I think through three different firms which set up lunch and learn programs, Uh, and and that's kind of that's the origins of it. And for probably the first four or five years, um, we had there's one rabbi who would come along regularly uh, called Rabbi Shaul Robinson, who's now has been now for a number of years the rabbi in of Lincoln Square Synagogue in Manhattan. So we mm. had the benefit of his services for many years until he, he moved to the States. That's, that's the origin of it. And then yeah, I mean the other big event I would say that we've done for, since that time was was our Hanukkah event. Um and uh and we we again that was a conversation of myself, Mike Francis, uh Daniel Kossoff and and Howard Ross. Um maybe Jeremy Sanderson also was in that conversation, where basically we wanted to do something around the Christmas period, which was had more of a kind of Jewish feel to it, uh, just because Jewish members of staff, Jewish clients, are regularly invited to Christmas events. But of course, it's also Hanukkah at that time. So we thought, well, hey, let's do a Hanukkah party. And we were the first institution in the city to do anything remotely like that. And it was, you know, it was a huge success from the get-go. And I think sadly this year will be the first year since 96 when it's not going to happen at the outset at, at the moment anyway.
0: So, Sam, could you tell us about the uh, Jewish high holiday period and why it's an important period of celebration to the Jewish
2: community? Around this time of year, September, October, um, there's a, a flurry of Jewish festivals that, that come in slick and fast. Um, and these are known as um the first two are known as the the high you know, high holiday festivals. Um the first is Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. Um and it's a, a kind of an upbeat um formal affair where you eat um all sorts of kind of sugared foods to to symbolize, you know, a happy and sweet new year ahead. Um so it's customary to, to dip slices of apple and honey um, on, on Rosh Hashanah. And certainly in my family, I suspect in many others, it's a, it's a real time when we get together um, with all the various cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and have a massive meal together. And 10 days later, you have uh, probably the most solemn day of the year, um, which is called Yom Kippur, uh, which literally means the Day of Atonement, which um, which is a fast day. And it's a day where, you know, people really kind of take the time to reflect on the year that's been, um, on, you know, things that they regret doing, misdemeanors, what they'd like to do better the next year. There's a sense of it being a, a day of judgment. Um, and lots of time is normally spent in the synagogue and the combination of the fasting, the quite moving melodies in the synagogue, um, all create a, a real atmosphere of you know solemnity and and um, and reflection. Uh, my favourite festival follows in in swift succession after Yom Kippur, um, which is called Sukkot um, or in English Tabernacles, where it's it's I mean it's taking a step back. It's a pretty bizarre festival where people um leave their houses basically and construct um sort of these tents like wooden structures tabernacles often in their garden and um in warmer climates they might literally live in those in in those booths for for a week for seven days um in the uk you know just looking at the rain pouring outside my window now it's often not possible to do that but you know my family certainly builds one together i love building it with you know my parents and siblings and we'll have usually have a couple of meals meals in that sort of booth and the the symbolism there i mean there's probably lots of different ideas about what it symbolizes but fundamentally you're stripping materiality away from your life you know you're you're entering this relatively flimsy construction um and importantly this festival is known in hebrew as the Man uh it's a, it's a it's a time of great happiness the last festival i i would mention is at the end of um sukkot there is a festival called simchat torah where you celebrate um completing the reading of the torah which is you know the old testament um the, the hebrew bible and that's read traditionally you know each week in the synagogue, a portion will be read. And on Simchat Torah, you, you come to the end of, um, end of that book. You get to the end of Deuteronomy. And there's a big party normally in the synagogue with lots of dancing, holding the, the Torah scrolls. Um, you know, it's, you know, eating lots, lots of alcohol. Um, it's certainly that's how I, I, I practice it. Um, and it's all around, a, you know, a really fun affair.
1: And uh, what about you, Adrian? Well, just to um, draw out <laughs> some of the kind of the, the themes between Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Um, so we have this notion that on Rosh Hashanah judgment is given. So we've we've, we've been in the process of um, of of um, of repentance uh, for the whole month before the, before Rosh Hashanah. And then on Rosh Hashanah, there's this idea that, that God actually writes his judgment, um, uh, as to you know, how, how one's going to fare in different ways in the coming year. But that that judgment isn't sealed until 10 days later on Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is when uh, kind of the gates close. And it, as, as Sam said, it's a very somber day and you're fasting for 25 hours. Uh, and, and then the gates close. But actually, the, well so cot comes along and one of the reasons why it feels like a time of joy is because it's a psychological release. So it is a joyful festival, uh and you are commanded to enjoy yourselves in these huts, uh and we have all kinds of rituals that we do we do in, in the hut. Um in one of the things we again till this year we used to be regularly was to have a thing called Tea in the Tabernacle where we would invite staff from the office uh into the tabernacle and we'd explain to them what it's all about and pass around some of the items that we use in the festival uh, and so it kind of acts as a psychological release because after the intensity of the kind of repenting process up to yom kippur you do you know everybody needs a bit of a, a release um, and that's what sukkot uh, provides there's one there's one day which is at the end of sukkot just before the final round of festivals We have two days at the end of it um where, which is called Hashanah Rabbah, which is a little bit obscure. But, but that's kind of when judgment begins to manifest itself in the world. So you've had judgment, feeling of judgment. This is kind of the delivery of judgment. Um, and you can actually get mitigation of that judgment. So the kind of, there's this kind of idea that you can ameliorate the effects of it. Uh, and one of the things that we do is to get a bunch of willow branches and we bash them on the floor. Uh, and uh, with great vigor, and it's a way of kind of expiating your sort of sins and your frustrations. So it's, uh, it's actually uh, it's quite it's quite a quite a good exercise, I think, quite effective
2: <laughs> in, in that respect.
0: Sounds quite fun. Yeah, for, uh, for, for,
2: for the limited amount of exercise we're doing in lockdown, <laughs> be, beating the willow is certainly <laughs> up there. It certainly and Sam, you did say we have got some
1: obscure. Uh, and unusual practices but so that would
2: be
1: uh, yeah, that
3: that would is one, of one of them think, yeah can i just add that um one of the things that i found um very humbling and very enjoyable is that we're lucky enough to have a beautiful sukkah in um attached to our building in canary walls um obviously this year um it wasn't possible were no alternative plans but um Normally, we do invite members from Jewish Care and the wider Jewish community to um, join those meals with us, and so it's a lovely time for us also to hear some stories from others in the community, and um, we're able to host them. Um, so that's another element that I've also personally enjoyed.
0: I think I think we've touched on it uh, briefly, but um, it seems that like these celebrations really bring people together, but also... Uh, there's a lot of allusions to COVID-19 and I'm sure this has changed a lot of things. So how has COVID-19 impacted the Jewish community and JSOC with celebrating these important moments? And perhaps starting with
1: Adrian. Well, it's had, um, there's obviously practical implications. So uh, a lot of the things that we've been doing um, have been, have not been practical during a uh, lockdown period. So, I mean, the first thing that, that was hit was uh, we were doing a big... We Annually, we, there's a festival pouring, which is around about March time. Uh, and we again, we invite people uh, uh, from outside the world, from the elderly, uh, from the care homes and the day centres into a, a big event. That was the first thing that got cancelled. Um, uh, and then uh, we had Passover, where, again, we provide special Passover food and their Passover lunches. That all got cancelled. Um, and then what, one of our signature events during the years is, is called the Shavuot Cheesecake Party or Cheesecake Lunch, where um, it's a festival of what's known uh, in English as Pentecost, where one of the customs is to eat cheesecake. So Rosh Hashanah, as, as, um, uh, 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 as, as George mentioned, we eat honey cake, but on Shavuot or Pentecost we eat cheesecake. And again, we invite all the elderly people in. Um, uh to eat sandwiches and cheesecake, and we usually have a, a school choir as well and, and again that that had to be cancelled so we've had a whole slew of things which have been cancelled but what we've um we've been able to do is to run um uh, and, uh to continue lunch and learn, so we're doing that, but we've been doing it um remotely online using zoom, and uh, that's been an opportunity for people to get together, albeit uh, online. Uh, and we've also been able to use it to say prayers for people who have been sick as well. Uh, and unfortunately, there have been people from the sort of workplace community in Canadian Wharf who have been very sick. So uh, we've been able to, it's been great for their families. We've given them a lot of comfort. The people in the Wharf, remember them, have been getting together and to pray for them regularly. Uh, and you know that program uh, very much continues. So yeah, so you know, um lots of things cancelled, but other things we've been able to continue will be in a different a different form.
0: Georgia, from a pro bono and community outreach perspective, how has JSL continued their support for the Jewish community during COVID-19?
3: So historically, we've held two um, Jewish care tea parties at the firm where we invite about 30 um, visitors along and we have people from the firm who come along and have a piece of cake and a cup of tea and chat to the elderly people and listen about their stories. Um, Obviously that hasn't been able to happen since COVID so we transferred a lot of that support online to a telephone befriending service where um, some of the volunteers have called up elderly people, on a weekly basis to check in with them and to see that they're okay. And we've also been in touch with Jewish Care regarding other volunteering opportunities and how we can help the wider community.
0: Thanks for that, Georgia. Sam, to hopefully end this on a positive note, has anything good come out of COVID-19? Perhaps we need to adapt to these very unique circumstances that we're living in right now.
2: It's a really good question, um, and I was actually just thinking about that as Adrian was speaking. I was thinking, you know, ha- have there been any any positives um, or, or new things that have evolved? And I think the answer is yes, um, and I think the answer is, is, is Zoom in many ways has plugged a gap that would have otherwise existed, um, in because you, you've hopefully had the impression, you know, over the past you know few minutes that. So, so much of the Jewish calendar revolves around community and yeah. getting together, often physically in the same place. Um, and that, you know, is certainly true of festivals, but it's also true of, you know, different stages of life. Um, it's true of when you know um, boys and girls, you know, hit twelve and thirteen. That age there's often a big celebration called a bar or bat mitzvah. Um, weddings, funerals. Um, all these things have had to, to go online, um, and just last night I um, I was on a Zoom funeral, and today I've been invited to a friend's Zoom wedding, and it's 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 it's, it's bizarre on the one hand, yeah. um, but also but also I think a, a really positive thing that actually people haven't just sort of sat down and thought oh well there's nothing we can do about this we've got to you know put a hold on these sorts of big life events. Um, actually, people have been able to adapt, um, I think, relatively well to, to the circumstances in a, in a safe way. I mean, I, I don't think it's nearly as, as wonderful as doing these things in person, um, but I think it's great to see that these celebrations are still going on, albeit in a, in a different way.
0: Before I bring a close to this podcast, maybe it's worth telling the audience where we can find
2: more information about Jason well, I mean if you um you know when when people who are listening to this, whether they're already at the firm or going to join the firm, um Adrian and myself are, are good people to reach out to. There's um an email list um that uh, that goes round with the events and online events that are taking place. So um do get in touch with us um if you'd like to join that mailing list.
1: Yeah, or um, my secretary Dinah Langen, um uh she she's she's um uh she's been involved in fact with, with the Jewish society since nineteen ninety six. Um and um she she's uh she she kinda of runs the, the database and coordinates things. Um, uh so so yeah, that that would be great. Please do please do get, get in touch.
0: So well, that brings us to the end of our insightful podcast. Thank you for all your time and for the interesting discussion on Jewish culture and heritage. And for teaching me, and I'm sure the audience as well, a lot about the high holiday period and JSOC. You've been listening to Clifford Chance Celebrating Cultures podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on future episodes coming soon. If you would like to know more about UK Reach Network and the Clifford Chance JSOC community, you can visit our inclusion and diversity pages at our website at www.cliffordchance.com.